Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The light of darkness can overcome. Stay with us, Lord, for it is evening. And the day is almost over. Let your light scatter the darkness. And illumine your light of glory of the immortal Father, heavenly, holy, blessed Jesus Christ. We have come to the setting of the sun, and we look to the evening light. We sing to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy of being praised with pure voices forever. O Son of God, O giver of life, the universe proclaims your glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who led your people Israel by a pillar of cloud by the day and a pillar of fire by night. Enlighten our darkness by the light of your Christ. May his word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. For you are merciful, and you love your whole creation, and we, your creatures, glorify you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Although you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said, I have granted help to one who is mighty, I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David my servant, with my holy oil I have anointed him, so that my hand shall be established within, my arm also shall strengthen him. O Emmanuel, our King and our Lord, the anointed for the nations and their Savior, come and save us, O Lord our God. The Old Testament Advent prophecy, as regard, uh, recorded in the seventh chapter of 2 Samuel. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more, and violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come forth from your body and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. When he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, but I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me, and your throne shall be established forever. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Gospel Fulfillment according to St. Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Amen. 
grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for this first midweek Advent service is from St. Luke, the first chapter, in which Luke writes, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a virgin betrothed to a man of the house of David, and he said to her, Be not afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This angel tiding serves tonight as our servant text, dear friends in our Lord. Angels, they mystify us. They're no doubt among the fellow creatures of ours that we know least about, and yet perhaps the one creature we're most fascinated with. Proof? By the end of the year 1975, the book by famed evangelist Billy Graham, entitled Angels, had sold already 810,000 copies. Thing is, it was only released in October of that year. By January of of 1976, just four short months later, the number of the copies purchased by all of the angelically interested had then reached a million copies sold. It's believed to be the first time that that a best-selling book hit the one million mark in such a short four-month period of time. What is it about angels that so fascinates us? Is it their strength that impresses us? For as we'd think on the cherubim that guarded with flaming sword the entrance to paradise lost, we're reminded that we of ourselves are no match. Is it perhaps their nearness to the Almighty and the very realm of his glory that gives us pause? For there forever we're told beholding the face of the Father while daily interfacing and attending interfacing with, attending to mortals like you and me. No doubt their invariable goodwill toward us can't cease to amaze, for while some among their own race too, like us, fell, fell from, like, like lightning from communion with God, it's not angels, is it, that he helped? It's not angels that prepare at this time each year to mark with special reflection and devotion God's incarnation, his enfleshment, It's not angelic nature, but human nature of the the Son of God that this very day sits enthroned on an everlasting throne, and yet there's no envy, is there? There's no jealousy, but only rejoicing among these angels in heaven when even one single human sinner repents. God's secret service agents, not protecting him, but given charge over us being saved, lest we strike our foot where God wouldn't permit it be struck. They're protectors and they're ministers unto our needs, and yet it's not these characteristics that give to angels their name. From the Greek word angelos, angel means simply messenger. And while angelic activity is never uncommon, Nowhere in scripture is it more common to see angeloi, angels, delivering their messages than in the Advent months and days and minutes even 
prior to the birth and the unveiling of mankind's Savior. Because angels so captivate us, sometimes we're guilty of losing Advent's message in Advent's messengers. This Advent season, we carefully consider Advent's angel tidings. Tidings unto Mary, an unassuming and unexpecting mother who would bear far more than a son. We'll consider the angelic word in a dream to her betrothed, Joseph, a husband to be torn with Advent's anxieties. We'll reflect finally on the last angelic Advent and first Christmas announcement to common shepherds greeted and treated in a most uncommon way. Advent's angel tidings delivered by angels but delivered unto us, men. And so tonight we consider our first of these Advent angel tidings. It's perhaps the most famous angelic communique in all of Scripture, Gabriel's Annunciation to Mary. Now throughout Scripture, angels aren't known for being very verbose or long-winded. They're straightforward, to the point. When Gabriel sent by God to the Galilean town of Nazareth to the virgin named Mary, this angel proves no exception. Gabriel minces no words. You'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. You'll call him Jesus. He'll be great, be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and of his reign and kingdom. There will be no end. Now, when we hear this text year after year, we hear this account, we we tend to recall the all things are possible aspect of the virgin birth, and we should. It's good that we do, we should. But highly important as the truth of Christ's virgin birth is, and it is, in preserving his sinless twofold nature, human and divine, both absolutely and essentially necessary for man's salvation. Yet it would seem here, as we look at the text, That had Mary not gotten stuck on that particular fact, the one that involved her so much, and inquired a bit more about it, it would seem that Gabriel wasn't planning on discussing it any further. What's highly noteworthy is all that that was said in this, this short announcement. Brief as the angelic message is, in the five sentences the angel initially speaks, What's noteworthy is that Gabriel takes such care to include all of this, that he will be great, and the Lord will, God will give to him the throne of his father David, and of his reign, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. In five short sentences, that's a lot said, isn't it, about thrones and kingdoms and a king and David? While the inclusion of it all might surprise you and me, might puzzle us a bit, Gabriel's message, I tell you, is by Mary well-received, understood. Well, recall it wasn't who it would be that gave Mary such pause. It It was how this could be, since she said, I have no husband, I'm a virgin. But not who it would be. She understood and understood it well, because this language was so very familiar to her. You see, if 
pre-Christmas cards, if you will, had been exchanged in young Mary's day with, between Hebrew families awaiting the promised Christ. If these pre-Christmas cards would have been exchanged, most wouldn't have had notes in them like peace on earth. They wouldn't have had images like a manger silhouette with Bethlehem star overhead kneeling shepherds there, stable, grazing oxen. No, what they would have had is they would have had on them the image of one sitting again on David's throne. And they would have said, they would have read, the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. Why? It was a trademark promise. Known to all the Jews, a trademark promise of the Messiah who was to come. You heard it yourself just a few minutes ago, a few minutes ago, here from Second Samuel. To David it was said, The Lord will make you a house, a royal dynasty. And he says, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. So far, it sounds like it could be Solomon and those following after Solomon. But then God adds this, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And your house, David, and your kingdom and throne shall be established forever. That promise had the fingerprints of Messiah all over it. David was a great king, no doubt. After all, against all odds, he'd stormed and captured a mountaintop's citadel city of the Jebusites called Jerusalem and claimed it for God and for his own. By God's hand, he'd, he'd crushed the Philistines. He'd brought the Ark of the Covenant to rest again with God's people. David was great. And with son Solomon, his kingdom of greatness would be greater yet. But... But what had happened, but, but what had happened to this, this great earthly kingdom of David? David's own progeny, they warred over it, they fought over it. From kings to commoners, those of this kingdom rebelled against God. And so therefore the kingdom of David's earthly greatness became a curse, it became a shameful name. Taken away into Babylonian captivity, his, his throne had seen its earthly day. In fact, the very day Mary received the angel's news, Jerusalem, the crown jewel of David's greatness, and the greatness of his kingdom, it was occupied, wasn't it, by Roman imperial forces. And Israel's king, Herod, well called, so called the great, he was a king far from the genuine Greatness, a puppet king, far from the genuine greatness that lingered in the distant memory of God's people. And so what these words of Gabriel must have meant, what they must have meant, they meant that God had not forgotten the oath that he swore. They meant that the long-expected Messiah king was nine months near to them. They meant that this virgin betrothed to one from the house of David. This virgin was about to bring forth the royal son of David that even David would call Lord. For the one greater than David, the, the one greater than Solomon, was finally here. But his eternal kingdom and his eternal throne would not be of this world. And his very name would suggest it.
Often, the names of kings, they tell us a bit about them. There's Richard the Lionhearted, William the Conqueror, Edward the Confessor, Charlemagne, Charles the Magnus, Charles the Great. There was the unfairly named Ethelred, the, the unready, Pepin the Short. There was Charles the Bald. These names tell us a bit about these kings. The name of Mary's royal son, chosen by God his own father, tells us worlds about him. And the otherworldly nature of his kingdom, he would be called Jesus, the angel said. It means Yahweh is salvation. For as the angel would tell Joseph, he will save his people from their sins. Punishing citizens for their crimes and their sins, that's part of the job description, I suppose, of the kings of this world, but saving people from their sins by putting their sins upon you? That's an oddly humble posture for the king of kings to take. But let's not forget something. He's David's son. And so like David before him, who was anointed king by Samuel while still such a commoner in Jesse's household, well before his royalty would be known by all, so too Mary's royal son would be publicly anointed God's chosen while yet in such humble state. As David before him, so too Mary's son would be a shepherd from little and, and lowly Bethlehem. As his father David before him, so Mary's son would emerge. He'd step forth to fight for us in surprisingly simple posture and with weapons at which the wisdom of this world and the mighty of this world would simply laugh. He'd step forth to face off against certain death. In our case, sin. A giant of an adversary that couldn't be defeated by man's might. One which held all of his brothers captive in fear. But like with David's unimpressive and unexpected weapon of a sling, so David's greater son and Lord Jesus by the unprecedented weapon of a cross and of word and sacraments prove that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord God fights and saves. And like David before him would strike Goliath and then standing over him would draw the giant's own sword from his sheath and behead him. So David's greater son, Jesus Christ, by death drawing from its sheath sin and death's greatest weapon. Christ's David's son, by his death, would destroy death forever. David would rise to be great and sit upon the earthly throne that God had given him. But David's son, Jesus the Christ, he'd rise to be so much greater. Born a king... He lived as a servant, enduring the cross and our sin, scorning its shame, but has now sat down upon the eternal throne that had been waiting for him to claim it. And if you thought that, even in his finest hour, if you thought that there was security in being people of David's kingdom, 
How much more in being members by baptismal faith of the eternal kingdom of David's greater manger-born son. For David had power. With the king's word, he had power to forgive only earthly debts. But Jesus, with a word to forgive our sins, debts eternally, and he does it. David had the capability to protect his people only within the walls of a temporarily fortified Jerusalem. But Jesus, he's got the might and the resolve to shelter his own within the impregnable walls of the heavenly Jerusalem. And he will, as he does. David had the means to share the wealth of his kingdom with his kin until he no longer sat upon the throne, but for his kin. But for his kin, Jesus Christ reigns forever. And of his kingdom, and therefore yours, there shall be no end. Thanks be to God that the Advent angels, every word to Mary mild has been fulfilled. For the virgin-born, cross-bound king has begun his reign. In his name, amen. Oh, oh, oh. 
scatters those of proud intent and casts them down from high estate, then gives the lowest nourishment. He feeds the hungry as his own, the wealthy leave with empty hands. He gives his help to his right hand, his gracious promise always The Lord be with you. O God of Advent tidings, who in times past spoke to your people through angels from above, hear the prayers of your people here gathered, and grant us your evening blessings and benediction, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Our thanks and praise for the Advent tidings, which through your angel Gabriel you gave to Mary the Virgin so mild. Holy tidings about the kingdom which remains forever the kingdom of the Son of David, who is also your only begotten Son, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Reign, O Lord, over your kingdom of the church. Through the word of your prophets and apostles, govern your church, correcting her where she is erred, even as you strengthen and encourage her through your word and sacraments where she is faithful. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Reign, O God, over the kingdoms of the world. Guide its leaders, blessing those committed to serving you and overcoming those who have turned their backs to you rather than their faces. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Reign, O Lord, over our homes, granting wisdom, patience, and godly confidence to parents as they love and rear their children to know you and worship you and confess you before men. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Reign, O Advent King, over our days forgiving us our sins because of your sacrifice for us and preparing us for the day of your coming. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Reign, O Advent King, over our nights, that trusting in your goodness, grace, and mercy, we may end each day praying as you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day, and I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all.